drinking cold, delicious, cheeky monkey beers. Ooh, cold, delicious, cheeky monkey beers. Where do you get those from, T-Bone? Mate, there's a couple of venues. There's the Margaret River Brewery on Caves Road, and there's also the Monkey Bar and Vass. Monkey Bar and Vass. I believe you can get some toasty pizzas at the Monkey Bar and you can get the full lunch down at the Caves Road facility. Mate, and not to mention all those delicious beers. There's so many cheeky ones. IPAs, salty peaches, salty gallows, peaches. sherbies. I was on the sherbies last night. Fucking delicious. Delicious. Hey everybody, it's Goats Rappel, and you're listening to Barreled Surf Podcast. G'day all, welcome to Barrel Surf Podcast. Um, stoked to be here. My name is T-Bone and we have a special guest joining us today. But before we get to our special guest, as usual, I've got the yelling up single fin core lord himself, Mr. Ads <laughs> Kennedy. How are you, mate? Bloody good, mates. Yep, stoked to be in the office uh, a little bit earlier, a bit, bit before beer hour. We normally do our podcast at beer hour, but we're having green tea hour at the moment <laughs> to accommodate for our special guest who's over east. Uh, so, no, stoked to be here. That's right. And also, as usual, uh, recent quarterfinalist of the Twin Fin Tango, <laughs> Namo. Mate, that's very kind of you, mate, but I didn't actually make the quarterfinals. Okay, you made the, <laughs> just dropped out of the round one or round two. Ripper charge heat, got knocked out. But uh, yeah, thanks for the blowing up my tyres. That was very kind of you. Thanks, no too, worries. Man. Now, our special guest today needs no introduction. He's probably got the most iconic voice in surfing. I think he could actually call any sport. Um, he's a member of the uh, WSL commentary team. Welcome to Barrel Surf Podcast, Mr. Jabe Chappell. Ah, T-Bone, boys, thanks so much for having me. I haven't been barreled in a while, so this is great. <laughs> That's all right. We're, we're the same. We never get barreled. We're shit ass. <laughs> Joe, I've been enjoying Caught Inside, and um, I want to ask you, when is the last time you've actually been Caught Inside? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, uh, all the time at Rocky Point. It seems like uh, no matter what I do, no matter how long I surf there, all of a sudden I'm getting out over the reef, getting scraped up, having to do the runaround. So yeah, almost every time I surf Rocky Point at home, I'm, I'm caught inside. <laughs> classic, mate, classic. So uh, I've got to ask you, how was the private charter flight over from the States? I could get used to that, gentlemen. Wow, that is the way to travel from now on. It was just everyone you knew, the plane was just barely even half full and I somehow got an upgrade. Oh, I didn't think that was going to happen. I'm going, how does this upgrade system work? Is it based on the Jeep leaderboard? I mean, I thought I was <laughs> going way back. And somehow I looked at my ticket. It said 6A on it. And I was like, what? <laughs> so oh. I was pretty, pretty thrilled to be able to lay down flat 15 hour flight from LAX. And so it was sweet. It was real simple. They didn't have like a full staff really serving you too much. Uh, they just had water on board. So you know, still with a lot of restrictions in that way, but real safe, real clean. And uh, man, I just want to fly charters from now on. <laughs> you just said they had water on board, so no booze. No one got boozed and made, made a dick of themselves. <laughs> I think they remember the old stories from like Richard Dog Marsh and the flight attendants getting locked in the in the toilets back in the day. So 
they're like, oh, these guys are back years later. Yeah, the water only. (laughs) We were actually having a few chuckles about this charter flight, thinking that there may be some psychological warfare. You know, Gabby's coming on going, boys, I'm going straight to the first class and you know, you got the lower seat guys going down the, you know, the the, the toilet aisle seats. Was there any sort of psychological warfare on the uh, on the flight over? It it's got to be there, right? I mean, like as soon as everything is being compared, you're comparing yourself uh, uh, before the heat starts, and when a few people turn left, I'm sure they're going, "Hey, wait a second. Especially when you're five hours in, you know, you have ten hours left, and, and everyone else is fast asleep in the front. So I think for sure, I think. Uh, it, the thing was though, there was so much room. So it was like the upgrades in the back, everyone had rows. Uh, but yeah, just that little change of going, wait, how did they get up there? What's that about? <laughs> I'm sure that's where the, the war begins. <laughs> oh, that's cool. You got thrown out the front. So um, last time you were in Australia, Joe. Oh, the last time I was here was a was year ago, day. almost to the day. I, I called the event in Manly. And the one that Leo Firavanti won over Matt Banting, Carissa beat Tyler. And it was so crazy. That was the day the message went out that Snapper was going to be canceled. And so I was meant to fly to New Zealand the next day for another Challenger Series event. I had my family with me. And all of a sudden we're going, well, I guess we'll hang here for a bit. So we went up to Avalon and stayed with uh, Ronnie Blakey and his family. And we weren't really ready to leave until we found the last... uh, flight for Hawaii was like coming up in a few days and they said they wouldn't be flying back. So we're like, ah, yeah, we better go home. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was about a year ago and, and then obviously everything happened. So, so since the cancellation of snapper and you went home, so where is home by the way? I don't think I've. Yeah, it's uh, geez, you know what? It's kind of, kind of changing now, but we were at Rocky point for the last five, six years on the North shore of Oahu and the house we were renting is being torn down and rebuilt. So we are now, my family is with my mom in California oh. and uh, hanging there in Laguna Niguel, Orange County, about 20 minutes north of Lower Trestles, 10 minutes to Salt Creek about. So there we moved there in February as we look for a new house in the North Shore because the North Shore is tiny and there's been this influx of people just moving there. So there's just nowhere to really rent uh and it's uh the vacation rental prices we checked out this one pad and it was like the doors were falling off and they're like yeah you know five grand a month i was like wait what like that's crazy like so we were like let's take our time i knew this trip was uh, gonna start soon so i wanted everyone to be comfortable my mom's there for an extra hand and uh, so that'll be kind of our base until we find a new spot on the north shore yeah so so how have you been sort of filling in your time between obviously when you left Australia, I know you went and done the rubble and the ranch, but how have you sort of been filling in your time during this downtime? Wow, we took a such a cool trip in I, I dragged a trailer behind my truck and we drove from Southern California all the way to Oregon, the border of Washington State, and then looped back through Tahoe and the mountains inland of California. So it's like 2500 miles of driving um and wow we took a month to do it so we just did little chips all the way through san francisco northern california it was so beautiful i had never been to oregon the northwest of the united states is so green the water's freezing 
Uh, but man, a lot of friendly people. It, it blew my mind. I travel around the world a lot, but it was like in my own country. It was just such an awesome opportunity to see the coast up north. There's some good waves up there, huh? In Oregon? Yeah, there's some great waves. There's some, it, it gets really raw, really uh, wild at times. The winter's freezing. But um, <laughs> like Timmy, Timmy Reyes, uh, he's, he's like just so happy up there he'll, he'll go for months and he's wearing just hoods booties five four threes and surfing slabs up there that no one's ever heard of it's uh it's pretty cool to see what he finds up north there yeah nice it sort of sounds like uh what everyone in australia has been doing as well just going oh well let's just go holidays in the backyard and uh seems like uh california is probably pretty good for it too but we did all the same we all just went up north and had holidays around home down south and mate, yeah, plenty of good stuff uh, around home when you get the chance to have a look around. So yeah. Happy I days. think about you guys a lot in the West. Oh my gosh. You, you like, you can live there forever and not be able to scratch every surface huh? because you have so much coastline. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's a big state. Most of the surfaces have been scratched. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> nice. Well done. But uh, so, mates, I'm going to just ask you a few questions. I'm interested in basically who the fuck is Joe Tapel and where did he come from? (laughs) I love Australia. uh, Mate, I want to just, I just want to hear a bit about your background and stuff, if that's okay. Um, Of course. Mate, where did, let's start at the start. Where did you grow up? Where was your local beach? And yeah, it's a great question because I, I always feel like I didn't quite have like that local beach. You know how it's like a part of someone's last name, where they're from, their spot. And I moved around a lot growing up. So I was born in a place called San Dimas, California. It's probably an hour off the coast. Yep. At the time, my parents were working in two different directions. So they m- moved to a spot like in the middle of both. So they both ended up driving like an hour to work. My mom was teaching at San Clemente High School. And my dad was working at Universal Studios. So they bought a new house out there uh, in an area called Phillips Ranch. Lived there till I was five. My dad went on strike at his job. And uh, you remember the A-Team with Mr. T? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he was on this live action show. And they went on strike. They're on the news because he was trying to get more money for the stuntmen. It didn't work. And so uh, they brought in Miami Vice, uh, fired the whole team he got a job back in Hawaii because he grew up there and we, he worked at a TV station. My mom's a school teacher. She taught Spanish for gosh, 40 years. She's a still working assistant principal now. And uh, we lived in Hawaii, lived in town, a place called Manoa and uh, went to a school called Punahou where our, our old president Obama used to go. It's this huge school and my mom taught there. So I got to go there for free and we lived in campus housing. So I could see my classroom from my window and I was always late to class. Man. Like, I was lived the closest to it. And it was up to me to get myself to school at a young age. And I just wander around, take the long way. I'd come back home at lunch, grab a snack, you know, that was a really fun time through, uh, through elementary school, then moved back to California this time about 13. And yep. we live uh, in Laguna Niguel right by Salt Creek. And uh, then I went to, LA, like South Bay, Redondo Beach, then to Santa Barbara, like Rincon area, where like Connor's from and Lakey and all them. And then back to San Clemente and then back to Hawaii when I met Susie. So it's been a lot of moving. And so, 
So local so, breaks were probably changing from Salt Creek to a little beach break in Santa Barbara called Sands and then uh, Rocky Point. <laughs> yeah, right. So where was your first surf then? How did you get into the surf? Let's dial it back a bit there to those earlier years. Um, yeah, what was sort of your first uh, whitewater surfs and, and who got you out there? Waikiki with my dad and my sister on a seven, eight single fin with no even place for a leash. Didn't have a plug. And I don't ever remember my dad giving us wax to put on it. So it was, he'd get us down there and he'd just be like, shove us into a wave in Waikiki. Then they just, they're so gentle and they go forever. We would just safety stance these things and ride them just all the way till we couldn't uh, ride it anymore. It was like, the most fun ever. And my dad would give us a quarter for every wave we caught. And it was like, wow, I was getting paid to surf. You know, it was like pretty pretty killer. Give us all of our quarters at the end of the session and we'd buy a double cheeseburger at Jack in the Box. (laughs) I think uh, Adzi loves you even more, mate, when you mentioned single fin. Um, Yes. a single fin now? I still, yeah, I still have that board too, that oh, very yeah. first board. And, and I love it. I've wrecked it, man. Like I, it needs a total overhaul, <laughs> but uh, it's really special to me. I love that pivoting feeling and it it's uh, just such a sweet board to ride. I love it. Wow. That's so lucky to keep your first board. That's amazing. Um, who shaped it? Yeah, a guy named Morlock. And to this day, I do not know who that is. I ask around sometimes. Like anyone heard of a, a guy named Morlock? And it's it's a cool logo and everything. And when I get back home, I'll take a picture of it because I'd yeah. love to find this guy. <laughs> I've never yeah. seen another Morlock out there. He might have shaped it out of his garage, but board's insane. It's great. Yeah, sick. And have you guided it? through some pits on some later years <laughs> oh man i wish i i i typically ride it in like the trestles type waves and and stuff yeah. like that but gosh the thing glides in so well at seven eight it, i would actually love it to try it at like lonnie's like lonnie Akea or something on a steeper north oh my gosh that thing would hum it'd be a little oh. challenging no leash but hey <laughs> that's how you yeah, earn yeah. it right yeah classic yeah so mate um waikiki I actually caught my first stand-up wave there, which is a total anomaly. I was on no a two-week two holiday with the family, but um, same deal. Dad pushed me in. But uh, the thing that strikes me about that wave is you can really see how surfing originated at that wave because it's such a unique wave, how it just sort of breaks but never breaks and for hundreds of metres and you would have just seen, you know, they would have been in canoes or whatever and just going, hey, this is pretty fun, you know. like So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, that it feels that way doesn't it when you're looking at diamond head and then like the royal hawaiian right there it's uh you definitely feel some real special energy and it's a wave you don't outgrow it's you get a lot of great firsts with catching your first waves of your life there and but like when i go there with the family nowadays it, it's it's insane amount of fun yeah get the log out but um, yeah. I don't think you've answered one of my other questions because I usually ask where was your first wave and then where was your first clean face. But when you're surfing Waimea, you, uh, Waikiki, sorry, you get the you get the clean face on the first time every time. So yeah, exactly. Just yeah. check, check, all good. <laughs> did you um surfing at Waikiki? Did you graduate out to bowls and those waves? You know what? Not really. Uh, sort of my time up until I was 13, it was really a Waikiki, a wave called Black Point, sometimes around the east side, a place called Makapu'u. That was like kind of our, our zone. My dad would take us and we were 
from like seven, seven, eight, nine, ten, it was a lot of boogie boarding and then surfing here and there. And I think right when we were at the phase, because I was playing a lot of other sports too. So the weekends were busy. Right when we were going, okay, we're moving to California. That's when I was quitting all my sports and and didn't want to do anything else but go surfing. So so yeah, I'd say 90% of our sessions were were at Waikiki actually. Sick. Cool. And did your dad surf and get out there with you or? Yeah, yeah, he he man, he he had great style, man. He he was just uh he was a lifeguard for for years. He was an amazing swimmer. He was a, a really good sailor. So so kind of checked off that waterman type thing. Didn't yep. surf as much as I wish he did. Uh kind of, he was always busy working and stuff, but he loved getting us in the water. So when we were real little from like that seven to, to really Hawaii, cause I think that's what he loved. He loved warm water. So I think the change was when we moved back to California, he uh, got a suit about a big 10, six single fin, and he probably used it, I don't know, 10 times or something, but uh, it was cool. Anytime he was out, it was just like, probably like his dream, like yesterday, just everything would fall into place. Uh, classic old school style his wave was kaiser's um that he really loved growing up there so it was cool that he passed it down to my sister and i yeah sick and mate in those early years um obviously being in hawaii it was a big surf culture who were you looking up to at that stage did you have a few heroes yeah you know it's really funny as that time when I was in Hawaii, we, my dad wasn't like a big sports guy at all. And even though the pipe masters and all this stuff's happening on the other side of the Island, I really had no idea in my classes. I had a few friends that were going surfing, but I was so like, I mean, there's no internet. Obviously I just had no influence. He wasn't bringing me surf movies. My surf experience in that time was really just with my dad, my sister and I, and maybe a friend here and there, even with maneuvers or, or riding the wave, it was just purely riding. It was like, it was like as simple as that. And sometimes it was, when I look back on it, I was like, how rare was that? I mean, we were in the epicenter of, of this surf culture and industry, but since my dad was working in TV broadcasts and all these other things, it was sort of, uh, I felt like I was just hanging out with my family at the beach until I moved to Orange County where, I realized there was this huge world of, of a surf industry and world champions that I, I definitely wanted to figure out. Yeah, right. Cool. So, mates, uh, first tube, first legitimate tube. Can you remember it? Where was it? Everyone remembers their first tube, surely. Ah, uh, I claimed it too, man. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> I was at Salt Creek. I was with my friends, um, my buddy Brian, Scott, and we were in the parking lot. And it was rainy, um, but we could tell there was, there was plenty of swell. And... Gosh, I was probably, I don't know, 14, 15 or something like that. And, uh, and we were, ran down the hill. We're like, oh, we're out there. And it was so stormy and rainy, but there's these, it was like a Northwest winter swell, lots of waves. And I remember this right so vividly where I dropped in and I pulled up and under and I, I panicked. Like I thought I was too deep. And I think I still could have traveled longer. And I was just going, no, what am I doing? And, and I got another chance. And the next one I got, I was just, I pulled in. It was such a good day. Barely anyone out. And I, when I came out of the barrel, I just put two hands up like this. I just, yeah, like, and I, I claimed it so hard. I almost fell down. 
<laughs> and this older guy that I really looked up to, you know, a local pro at the time, this guy, Jeremy Hansen came down he was asking, he's like, who's that girl who raised their hands? You know, and I was just like, like, you know, kind of hiding a little bit, and, uh, but I'll, I'll never forget that. That was that, that was that first barrel that I still can, like, I can see in my head today. So it's pretty yeah. cool. Sick. Yeah. That's epic, man. You don't forget your first one. So you did well, 14, 15. That's pretty good. You had a couple of years on me. I think I was 17 before I got mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he named the podcast Barrel Surf Podcast because he's still chasing one. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's a good yeah. one. You just got to visualize the whole thing. Yeah. Classic. So mate, um, what about uh, any early road trips up and down the coast there? Um, and this is probably where I put in a little disclaimer that we have a section uh, called Adzi's Tall Tales, where I feel like you can say this may or may not have happened at the start of the story. And I feel like it gives me the right to say whatever the fuck I want and um, <laughs> without repercussions, because it could just be for the benefit of the listener. You know, it could be total uh, fiction, but uh Mate, so feel free to use that clause if you think you need to. Um, I'm going to just borrow that on tour. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, mate, so... Caught inside, yeah. Yeah, mate, um, yeah, so any any memorable sort of early road trips when you first get your licence and, you know, either where you got really sick surf or even better, you, you know, ran over a cat and it got stuck in the engine and blew up your car or, or something with a bit of disaster is always good for a laugh. <laughs> oh yeah uh gosh getting my license was a big deal because it changed everything where i lived and when we moved and lived in california i couldn't get to the beach without driving you know at least 10 minutes or so 10 15 minutes yep. and so when i got it i remember just going i'm out of here i'm going because i was always just begging for rides to the beach up until that point and uh gosh we drove up north to leo carrillo which is just north of malibu you can camp there and there's a fun little right off this rock and I remember I just thought like I, I took a trip around the world for me coming from Hawaii, driving an hour North, you know, was a huge trip into LA. I was like, am I on the central coast now? It was really still Southern California, but I was, I remember just feeling the freedom. The waves are fun. And, uh, somehow I got a beer out of it somehow and, uh, made a campfire with a, a good friend of mine. And it just felt like I just, it just opened up my world. So then the next trip was logically across the border into Mexico in Baja. Ooh. And uh, funnily yeah. enough, the 4th of July was coming up, you know, the American Independence Day. Yep. And they have all these fireworks that are illegal in California. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a hero. I come back with these things, <laughs> you know, and I pack them all under my truck, get it all clean and crossing the border. And the guy was just like, all right, uh, what'd you do in Mexico? I was like, oh, I just went surfing. And he was like, oh, do you have any fireworks? It's like, it was like July 3rd. So the day is the night. It's like a common question for everyone coming across. And I'm just going, <laughs> I'm just sort of shaking my head. And he's like, do you have any fireworks? And I was like, I was just like, <laughs> you know, like I didn't even know how to answer. And he was just like, I'm going to give you one more chance here. <laughs> you know, do you have any? And I was like, I do. They're all right there. They're all take them. I don't want them anymore. And he's like, pull into secondary kid. You know, and I just had to like reveal all these M80s, all these amazing fireworks, uh, Roman candles. And uh, I just like had to <laughs> go across back home with my tail between my legs. <laughs> but yeah, the adventures in California, are endless because uh, you can get to the mountains, the beaches. I love it there for that, for sure. 
I'm guessing on future Mexico trips, you get away with the idea of putting a couple of kilos of um, Bolivian marching powder under your car if you couldn't handle the pressure of smuggling fireworks. <laughs> now we can be like, wait, let's get a better operation going next time. <laughs> oh, that's epic. Yeah, well, mate, I'm sure you've probably got some good Mexico stories because all Californians do. Um, it's a great place, but we're going to try and share the love around a bit. So I've got a couple more. Little questions, and I'll handball it over to the other boys a bit. Um, mates, uh, can you just give us one of your best surf trips uh, uh, anywhere, overseas or whatever? I know you've probably been on a lot more than the average punter, but um, one that really sticks out, you know, um, possibly before you're on tour and stuff because it would have been more mates orientated and a bit more underground and uh once again feel free to throw in a disaster story <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was uh for sure the one that sticks out to me is going to costa rica because i didn't travel a lot outside of those drives to mexico i had my passport and by the time i was 18 i still hadn't really been anywhere really overseas and so went to college and I'm getting into my twenties. I'm like, I got to get somewhere. I was just dying to travel. So got a group of mates to, to go to Costa Rica with me, Playa Hermosa, that beach break there. And uh, we had about uh, geez, 16 days uh, with a lot of my college friends. We surfed Witches Rock, Ollie's Point, and uh, a lot of Playa Hermosa. And it was funny because one day it was just gigantic, like 10 foot bombing closeouts. And I was like, gosh, there's got to be a wave to surf around here that can hold all this energy. So I had this guide to surfing Costa Rica book and I started looking at the swell direction and I was like, I got it boys. Like let's go an hour. And we had this little dinky rental car board stacked to the top, like six of us actually all going on this trip. So we were, it was packed and we decided we're not taking um, money with us. Cause we didn't know where we we're going and we didn't take our passports. We didn't want to get them stolen. We just figured we're driving an hour. We'll come back and, uh, real quick. So we, we drive down there. The waves are horrible. <laughs> I don't even know where this wave is. All my friends are yelling at me for making them go on this stupid mission. Yep. And then I see a buddy of mine from California, a car ahead of me, and he's changing a flat tire. And I was like, Shannon, he's this guy from Malibu, great surfer. And he's like, what are you doing down here? And I was like, we're looking for waves. And well, look at it. And he started cracking up. He's like, don't worry, you know, stay with me at this house. You will, there's a party tonight on the beach. Let's, uh, we'll have some fun. We'll make your trip worthwhile. You can stay down here. So everyone's like, all right, sweet. This is on, you know? Yeah. We go down to this club. It's on the beach. There's like techno music playing. It's packed with locals. It's not like a tourist bar. It's like a local type vibe, you know? Everyone's dancing. And we met like a group of girls and we didn't have any money. And so we're just out of college. So we were pretty good at drinking games. And so there was a game called quarters. And I remember we were like, oh, hey, gar girls have a seat. Very gentlemanly, like, oh, let's play a game of quarters. Whoever wins, the, the other people have to buy them a beer, you know? <laughs> and wow. so we smoke them. We just go, we're not trying to be nice. We beat them. We're like, oh, you guys got to get us some beers now, you know? Yeah. And then uh, it kind of comes to the point where you return the favor. And we didn't have money to do that. So we were just hustling people in this game and trying to get a few beers out of it. And the dance floor is going crazy. And wow. oh, my gosh, that night was it was very unforgettable. A lot more things happened, but I, I'd keep you here all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that'd be gold. So quarters, is that where you, uh, we've got a game over here called coins where you bounce a coin off the table into the cup? Is that the one? 
That's the one. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's the one. Classic. And did you end up scoring waves the next day with a filthy hangover or what? Yeah, we ended up picking ourselves back together and we found some with my, my friend who we met there or we found him there. He ended up helping us out quite a bit. So I threw away the book that I read and, and we found a, this one wedge against the jetty that um, was unbelievable. It was like a side wave that would bounce off the jetty rebound and create an unreal wedge. That was probably my favorite surf that whole time. Yes. Yeah, and um, is that, is it, is that the place that's offshore all the time or something? Cause there's some huge inland lake. Is that Costa Rica? That's Nicaragua. Oh, Nicaragua. Yeah. Right. And I've never been there like Colorado's and that. Yeah. That has that offshore wind all the time. I've never been, but I really want to go there. Sounds good. Cause I don't do onshore. I'm an offshore guy. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, old school. All right, cool. Um, no worries. I got one last question for you and then I'm going to hand you over to uh, Namu. Um, mates, favorite wave on tour for you personally. And um, do you get any waves at that spot with everyone else in town in the preheat warm up? Do they give you a little bit of cut you a little bit of slack? I guess you're not a judge, so they probably don't give a fuck, right? But I don't know. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I, Bay for sure. I'm a regular footer. And so I remember my first wave there, just that feeling of speed and going down the line and, I, for me, when I always watched it, I was like, oh, sweet. And then I didn't realize some of the sections, how heavy they get to. I got one of the worst wipeouts of my life on the inside, um, close to the bricks, as we call them. But it was that wave is insane. And it gets pretty crowded at super tubes and the warm ups and stuff. It's pretty, pretty hard with the top three, four and now top 17 up there. So we'll surf at the top at Boneyard and get like, it's a fun section. You can get like three, four turns off. And then usually after the event, it's a great event not to just rush home, yeah. uh, especially when I was single on my own back then. You could stay a couple more days and, you know, people are taking off. And all of a sudden you're, you're sitting at super tubes and, and it's pumping and the crowd's mellow and it's, it's such a big point. So you could just keep surfing your way down the point or towards point and you could find your little spot with not too many people. That way was insane. It is, yeah. Mate, funnily enough, um, I'm pretty friendly with Taj in Yelling Up, being a small town, and he tipped me off when I wanted to go to J-Bay. He goes, mate, trust me, roll in three days after the comp because everyone just split straight away. And I was like, oh, really? Okay, and I did it. And yeah, mate, it was. I think it was only Dane Reynolds left. He was the last guy there. And yeah, I had a, I had three weeks there and it was pumping. It's such a magic way. Oh, you score. Yeah, the, way, the way it breaks is so bizarre how it... I feel like it doesn't break towards the land. It just sort of runs parallel with it. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's a sick way. Yeah, and it's like the bigger it gets, it actually, I think it's like breaking over sand actually, like out the back more. And then the tempo kind of slows down a bit. So it's like the, it almost when it has a little more face, all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is it. This is it. You know, it's, yeah. it's really special. Mate, and the final question is a quick one. What's the biggest wave you've paddled into? And I don't want Californian face measurements. I want Hawaiian back style. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm pretty scared of big waves. Um, one time my friend dragged me out at Waimea and it wasn't even like a day, you know, but it was sort of, it was breaking on the boil and I had a 10 foot gun, which was plenty because it wasn't psycho. Yeah. But I think the face of that wave was probably one of the biggest faces I've been on. So on the Hawaiian scale, it's probably like a two-footer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Well, yeah, thanks for that. We've got a bit of a 
inside. I'm sure you've got plenty more stories, but we're going to try to, we've got a lot to cover. So we'll throw it over to uh, T-Bone and Namu. They've got some uh, other questions for you. Cheers, Joey. Well, Unreal, cheers. Yeah, we're all still here, but yeah. We're not going to. Just um, just uh, with the J-Bay story, Joe, I know that you uh, you said you spent some time up in sort of Santa Barbara, Ventura area. Did you get to surf Rincon a bit? Yeah, so that was sort of the draw for me to transfer schools up north. I, I surfed Rincon and I was like, what am I doing down south? This is crazy. And so I moved up there and I realized there's a lot of waves. So you, you I surfed Rincon a lot. It, it got crowded, but... I would surf it sometimes on the wrong times. So yep. everyone's like low tide, you know, you want to surf it when it's bottomed out. So that always had a big pull. I'd surf it at high tide, still really fun and get like a lot less people. So I, I, that wave is really insane. That was basically the reason why I moved up there. It seems like it's, um, there's been a bit of publicity, even, even traveled as far as WA with, with the crowds over there and, you know, people getting hurt and all sorts of chaos going on over there. Was it like yeah, that? Yeah. What was that? Was it like that when you were there? Or has it just gotten much worse? I think there, it's like all perspective, you know. Like I, I talked the same about lowers, where I, I avoided it in the '90s, but it was like not even close to what it is now with the electric bikes and everything. And and so Rincon at the time, I was like, oh, it's really crowded. I can't imagine more people, but it definitely is more crowded uh, with more people surfing and. You can't find a parking spot when you show up at Rincon. It's pretty hard these days. When I was living there, though, it just you're there more often. And there was the off days where it felt like you could still get it empty. But uh, yeah, it is packed. And I think the the change, too, with people, you know, out of work, unfortunately, um, I found even at Rocky Point in Hawaii, I met a lot of people that were rediscovering surfing for, you know, they stopped for 10 years because they're too busy and they're like, hey, I've got the time now. So I felt that energy a lot of, you know, just seeing people have the time to go to the beach again. Yeah. It's the same, it's the same over here. It's, uh, it's way more crowded than, um, yeah, than 12 months ago and 12 months before that and all the rest of it. Now a bit of a, a, bit of a shift here, mate. I've, I've heard, we've heard sort of over the years that you had a bit of a, uh, a bit of a history in the punk rock scene in LA. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So, so instruments. I well in the punk band I just sang and I didn't know how to play guitar at the time. I play like simple stuff, but I was learning guitar uh, when we were in the band from our guitarist, a guy named Kevin Olson. He grew up in the South Bay punk scene, like Pennywise, um, all those bands that came out of like the South Bay. So he was like super into punk. Our drummer's from Ecuador. He surfs that wave called Montanita, and he was going to school in California. Really amazing drummer. And then our bassist, Nick Hess, was in a few other bands, one called Counterclockwise. And he would have this like speed hand with, he'd play bass with a pick and his pick would melt on the strings. He was going so fast. And then, uh, and then I sang and wrote the songs and I got super deep on some songs, like one about a burrito. And <laughs> like there's a few others that were, we grew from there. That was our first song. And we, we cut an album out, which was really fun and played a few shows. I think we made 300 bucks once and we, yeah. Yes. He didn't pay our drummer because he was always late to practice and he'd make us cancel gigs because he was always a flake. So we anytime we got paid, we're like, you don't deserve it. And he's like, ah, you're probably right. You know? <laughs> we didn't make much, but gosh, it was a fun time in college having a punk band. Did you make did you play um any sort of supports for any bands that we don't? 
Uh, gosh, I wish we, we never made it like that big. We, we played a, a festival in San Diego, which was a lot of fun. There's a band there called C24C that was big in that region. And then, and then we played at a couple of bars and a lot of parties. That was kind of our, our thing, more <laughs> parties than anything else. Just backyard. Someone's like, yeah, play at our house. And, you know, <laughs> we could kick you out when it gets too out of control. Mate, I find it hilarious that you're a front man for a punk band. Like you've got the most soothing, gentle, happy voice, you know, <laughs> you're a smiling dude. And I just can't pitch you up there getting all angry, yelling at people. That's uh, hilarious. <laughs> I reckon. Our songs were definitely pretty melodic, man. We, there was one song that was called Natural Extreme where I did growl on it. And yeah. Can you give us a rendition, just like one line from it? Now show us your growl, Joey. You still got <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, it was gosh, Let me try to remember the song. Yeah, I was like... Yeah, Versailles, before you wake up that you're going to fail. It was something like that, like, you know, and then I was just go, like at one part. <laughs> and uh, I don't think anyone was scared. It was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And that was like our most metally type song. And I was like, at, at shows, I would just sneak them in sometimes. And I was like, what was that? Like, I can't do that. <laughs> do any- I had a mohawk too and everything. It was pretty fun. Did you do any mini tours or anything like that? It was just like local parties. Uh, really, yeah, local parties. And as soon as we were, felt like we were getting more gigs and getting busy, unfortunately, I moved up north and they moved down south, uh, some of the members of the band. We tried to keep it going. Remember, we hadn't played for a year and old friends were like, hey, can you play at our party this summer? And we're like, yeah, we'll get back together. And we did a terrible job. So I think we realized we're like, oh, we better move on if we can't practice. But she's good memories. Yeah. Hey, sorry, Joe. We're just talking about the um, this few notes here, because we're one on one with it, Zoom. We don't have doesn't cut out, does it? Well, it's not cutting out. It normally cuts out after forty minutes, but it's we've passed that, so it's still rolling. If I it, thought it was more than two people. If there was more than oh, people. right, yeah, you're true. You're right. Okay, yeah, yeah okay. we're just a bunch of amateurs who don't use <laughs> Zoom, and we're worried that it was going to stop recording after forty minutes. So we're we're constantly oh, right. refresh and. Uh, but uh, you would probably know you're some sort of professional, aren't you, mate? And that's what I got. I, I don't know how to do anything. They gave me this computer for this caught inside show. And gosh, it was painful for them trying to teach me how to turn this thing on. Oh, classic. <laughs> oh, it looks like we're still recording. So we'll just classic. keep pushing on. Classic. So, okay, great. so, Joe, I mean, like us, we were so stoked to hear about the events in Australia. Um, when did you first hear and what were your initial thoughts? Oh, I was really, really, really stoked. I was doing some yard work at Rocky Point at the time and it was really hot. And I got a phone call about this whole flight and coming and I was pumped uh, before I knew I was even going. I just didn't know how that was all going to work. So it was uh, to actually have the tour back. And, and it was a big disappointment when when Sunset was called off and then that ended up making Santa Cruz postponed and that was just, uh, it was just, we finally got momentum, uh, got that first event done. And so I think it was just everything we needed to hear that not only uh, are we going to Australia, but we're doing four events. So, and I think the feeling's mutual from everybody here. It's like, I can't believe we get to do this again. It's like the best feeling ever. Epic, mate. So obviously you're uh, into your 14 day quarantine. So tell me, um, when, when you get out of quarantine, is Potts and Ronnie meeting you down the hotel lobby with a carton of Corona to have a good old catch-up? 
Oh, guaranteed. Yeah, I think uh, I think Ronnie's going to actually be there. He's going to pick me up. I think I can get out of here at four in the morning on that day. So I'm going to be packed up, ready to go by three. And I'll just be waiting to get get out of here and <laughs> going to spend some time in Avalon. I'm, gosh, I'm ready for a 10, just ready to hang and see the world again, man. <laughs> That, that was actually one, something I was going to ask you. Do you. Are they delivering you booze up there or how's it working? And, and, I've gotten yeah. two deliveries. It's been great. I got a delivery from the crew at Balter Brewing. Thank you so much, Balter. Oh, nice. uh, you get the XPA? I love their XPA. I got the XPA, yeah. yeah it's the best. It's one of the best beers in the country. It's delicious. Yeah, I love it's it. It's kind of beer pretty now, isn't it? Yeah, when you uh, when you do get over to WA, you need, you need to try the uh, the cheeky monkey. I don't know if you've heard of cheeky monkey brewery. I haven't. I'd love to. So we we actually um, are sponsored by Cheeky Monkey. Christ knows why. Um, <laughs> but, uh, mate, we've got uh, we've got plenty of Cheeky Monkey. So when you're over here, make sure you swing up, say good day, and come grab a carton from from us for saying thanks for joining us today. We've, we've got plenty in the fridge. So actually, we'll take you. Oh, that'd be unreal. Thank you so much. I'd love to go to the brewery with you guys. That'd be fun. So, so Joe, tell me, um, I was just wondering, how much preparation um, do you guys in the commentary team put in prior to an event? I mean, you've got four events coming up. So how much work do you put in with the guys? Yeah, it's, it's quite a bit. Uh, I'm always, I stay with Ronnie a lot. And I think in our jobs, uh, we definitely need to be very well prepared for long days and uh, filling the time and just transitions, just being kind of up to date with it all. So where we start studying as soon as we can and we we prepare quite a bit so there's a lot of hours before and then during because i like staying in the moment as well too it's like finding like you know what's happening in the event right in front of me mm -hmm. conversations with surfers when i see them because i think the world we all know what's happening and we can make our opinions based on what we see on social media or based on what surfers will share mm -hmm. but then sometimes when you have a chance to talk to them you find out more of the story and that might just be what they're willing to post so i don't want to base it all on just photos that everyone's seen i really like i'll reach out i'll send messages to surfers on tour and uh, you know like a place like like Newcastle, I'm probably going to email Mark Richards and a few and just get some like cool insights of history because that really makes uh, me excited when we can tell a little bit more to get off the page a little bit to tell the history, especially at ways like Newcastle, North Narrabeen. There's just so much great stuff we could we could go to. Well, I see. So who can we expect to see in the booth um, for the Australian leg? You know Are what? That's a really good group? question. I'm, I'm sort of curious because I have not found out who's completely confirmed so i think there'll be some people that are just in new new south wales and then some in the west so ronnie for sure uh i, th I think uh i think bugs is going to be there wayne rabbit bartholomew oh, will be at some events uh i think i think even laura enever will be uh joining us in certain spots but i haven't had an official uh roster uh sent to me yet so i'm still i'm still curious too <laughs> That's it. That's it. Mate, uh, on the preparation for the uh, commentary, you know, I've seen some videos of some guys getting pretty physical in their hotel rooms. Are you busting? How many push-ups are you busting out a day in there? And do you put weights on your tongue and just like lift <laughs> weights on your tongue just to keep it all pumped? Or what's going on in there? Yeah, but not for commentary. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is such a good idea. I mean, it, we've got to train, man. This is what yeah. we do, right? 
Sure. I, uh, I do have some equipment. I've got a bike over there. I've got a kettlebell. I've got some dumbbells and a yoga mat. And yep. so I will, I kind of do it when I think about it. So <laughs> there's some long days in here. Yeah. So I'll just walk by and I'll be like, I'll do, I'll do 10 pushups. And then I'll be like, Oh, you know, I'll ride the bike for 30 minutes. And, uh, yep. I think that's good. You know, so I'm not super structured with it. I do yeah. it when I think about it, Ben in here in this space like this, I'm usually so distracted with trying to surf or, or ride a mountain bike at home. I'm never doing stuff like this inside. So mm -hmm. This I'm usually like, I like to stay in shape doing something fun. That's my thing. I've never been a gym guy, but here I've turned into a mini one. So I've got yeah, a little yeah, circuit. Yeah. And what's the food like in there? Is it all right? Are they just giving you slops? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, sometimes you get a win. I had like a Mexican salad, they called it today. And yeah. that was all right. It's tough to do Mexican for me though, living in Southern California. Yeah, exactly. so yeah. It's hard to compare it. Yeah, they don't know what they're up against there, do they? Classy. Yeah, but no, it's been all right. It's been okay. And then if if there's there was one thing I didn't want to eat at all, and I've got groceries, so I made I made myself some food. <laughs> cool, Joe. Just going back to uh, sports casting, um, my favorite all time heat was the two thousand no two thousand and fourteen semi with Kelly and John. I watched that all the time. I actually watched it this morning. You know, the first minute of the heat. <laughs> Tahiti. You know, sorry, Tahiti, did I say? Tahiti? I don't think you said it. Oh, we said it now. Yeah, I think that's what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the, the Billabong, <laughs> Billabong Pro Tahiti. I, yeah. I, I just, that first, the start of that heat, your sort of, you know, John's wave, Kelly's wave, Potts is going, you know, I'm sure Potts is standing up just frothing at the bit. I want to ask you, what's the most favourite favorite heat you've ever commentated and what's the hardest heat you've ever commentated? <laughs> uh geez well you nailed it i've referenced that heat a lot as one of my favorites that i ever called just to see john and kelly firing it was pumping it was like as good as i've seen that event as far as i mean there's the code red years and all those other big years but that was big and perfect every day wow. and so them going back and forth kelly winning on a tie break decision by a 10 it's it's so hard for me not to pick that heat is my favorite call because I felt so much energy off that moment. That was, that'll stand the test of time. Uh, hardest heat I've ever called was probably in Brazil in 2012 or something. I was with Aki and Aki fell backwards off his chair in the middle of the heat and did a perfect backwards somersault, landed on his feet. And I had two minutes left. The waves were pretty average. And it was like Brett Simpson versus Jadson Andre. And I just couldn't get air to breathe because I was going to, I was about to laugh. So, because it was the best thing I've ever seen. His headphones flew off. And our producer, our director at the time, JD, he, we have our earpiece and he's cracking up. Like you never do that. Usually he's like throwing me off. Cause he's laughing so hard. He like opened up my can so he could hear, I could hear him laugh. And that was just turning red. There was like a minute 30 to go. And they're like, you got to say something, man. And I was just like, classic, <laughs> like a squeak came out. I was just like, Oh my gosh, get me out of this thing. Oh, that was, it was so funny, man. And then we got out of the booth and Aki's like, let it out, mate. I don't know. <laughs> and I, just started, I just started crying, laughing. It was the best. Hey, hey Joe, I've got to ask, um, if you could um, sort of call any other sport, what would it be? I think it would be baseball for me, just because I spent so many years playing it growing up. 
And originally I wanted to be a pro baseball player when I was just a little kid. So I watched a lot of baseball. I understand the game and it's, it's got a cool, easy rhythm to it that I, I've always really enjoyed. So I I'd probably do, try baseball. Can you give us a little, like a one liner on, on, on how it would sort of roll off the tongue if you were commentating. <laughs> yeah, a major yeah, yeah. Baseball? <laughs> yeah. Clayton Kershaw, the payoff pitch two, three count low and inside corner shot hit deep in the left center field this ball is gone wow that's fucking oh, beautiful that's that's epic well, at um, least you know you got a job lined up with this tour hey the reason why i ask you about that joe um because i'm not sure if you've watched the game at afl which is the australian football league aussie rules have, yes um, Bruce McAvaney, he's like the icon of sports casting in Australia for AFL, horse racing. He's retiring. So I'm thinking, you know, if, if, the, if the wazzle doesn't go to plan, mate, maybe you can put your hand up to do a bit of commentating for the AFL this year. How would the reaction be of a, a, a Seppo like myself stepping into that chair? That'd be fine because we it's it's quite a diverse uh, culture in AFL now. They've got... Oh, nice. Yeah, classic. Oh, mate. that'd be great. And see, he's the one who's been calling it for what forty nine years. Yeah, yeah, long time. Well, maybe not that long. Um, okay, but he's done the Olympics and uh, the AFL, and uh, yeah, he, he's, he's just a, he started to fade a bit at the end. He had some pretty controversial calls there towards the end. Everyone was just like, "Oh, god damn!" You gotta love Bruce. But I guess <laughs> you put yourself out there, don't you? You do. You're commentating. Um, Saw the uh, the cats play Geelong cats. Geelong, yeah. Geelong where, cats. Yeah, where the West Coast Eagles over here, Joe. Pardon? We're West Coast Eagles over here, so uh, there we go. There we I'll go. support them from here on out. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, have you do you come across? Um, you know, obviously, there's WSL is such a massive, you know, has a, such a massive fan base around the world. Do you sort of come across times when? you and your fellow commentators cop some criticism from various people or whatever it might be? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess the next question is, do you pay attention to it? Or how do you deal with it? Uh, yeah, yes and no. It's a learning process. It's, it's interesting because I think it's an important question. I'm glad you brought it up. But it was, it's a funny story because in interviews, there's times when I – People are just like, oh, what's going on? These trolls, they hate you or something like that. <laughs> and then it was funny because in other interviews, when they wouldn't bring it up, I would, <laughs> you know, I would like bring it back up. Yeah. But it, it's, I think it's such an important topic to, to be really honest, because we're in this age where you're so reachable and not just for someone like me, but for kids. And my mom's a principal at schools and she deals with bullying and 99% of the bullying she's dealing with is on social media and people getting made fun of like publicly. And uh, so anyways, yeah, when I get it in the beginning, I remember those moments of just like, whoa, this is what they're saying about me, you know? And uh, there's some people I work with that were almost looking for it. They wanted to see what, what was going on. And I'm just like, why do you want to entertain it? You know, and I think criticism is very important in anything you do coming from the right source to, to become better at what you're doing and have that kind of feedback that can push you in the right direction. But when someone is just trying to attack you or uh, get a rise out of you, or sometimes for attention, just the wrong way I had during the pandemic, I had someone DM me and uh, said something real nasty, you know, 
And usually I let it go by. And this time I was like, I just responded to him. I was like, you all right. You know? <laughs> and uh, the guy just wrote me this apology. It was like four paragraphs and he was out in Europe somewhere. And he's like, I'm so sorry, man. You know, like, <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm actually glad I responded. I think he just needed a moment there. I needed his voice to be heard, you know? Well, mate, on that note, um, you know, I'll be honest with you, uh, me and a lot of my mates being dirty, rotten, surfing Australian scoundrels, uh, (laughs) probably a a throwback to that sort of 80s era where it was a real Aussies versus the Seppos, the septic tanks, the Yanks. (laughs) You know, they they were our, you know, they were our competition and it was always like, oh, you know, the the Yanks are always over the top and, you know, mate, it was just really patriotism and, you know, at its best and competitive. I think now we're probably more uh, anti-Brazilian because they do so well. So we've sort of, it's almost like, yeah, go the Yanks, you know. But, mate, I'll be honest, when we first heard you, we were just like, oh, man, we hated you. you oh, know? Right. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. right. But, mate, you know, yeah, yeah, these guys didn't want me to bring this up, but I'm like, hey, it's just the way me and my mates felt. You know, you had that really American accent and, and stuff. And I'm American. Um, but, you know, yeah, that's right. But mate, um, when when you put your, you're putting yourself out there, you know, so you it's a big risk to throw yourself out there. And uh, mate, but I'd like to say that I've I've fully come around. And to me now, especially, um, mate, especially with the break and stuff going on, like mate, you'd like a soothing, familiar voice from my past. That's or oh, just got this really. Um, welcoming tone and mate I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of you now joe you're doing a great job so um you've turned us guys around and uh you're doing a fantastic job um and my mate toddy taylor reckons that as soon as you started wearing hawaiian shirts and he reckons you change it changed his opinion of you and uh, he loves you now too so mate, uh, the point i guess i'm getting at is it's just really difficult when you throw yourself out there you're probably not thinking about it at the start of your career and um you know you're gonna cop it because you're putting yourself out there whether it be for good or bad but uh mate i've changed my tone i love your work and uh, you're the number one comment you're like the number one voice in commentary now so uh and with all the gaps that's been going on in the comp- world of competitions mate i i can't wait to hear your uh californian accent drifting out of the airways on another comp so yeah. keep it up man I think this was uh, this was really healthy. You know, this was uh, <laughs> a good, nice yeah. little relief yeah. <laughs> to get to where we are today. I've been to tell you that for eight years. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's been just brewing. Uh, I've, I've gone through that conversation a few times with some people actually in the West is a couple of times. My first time to Margaret River, a guy that helps run the event just basically told me the same thing you just did. He said, man, I didn't know where you came from and all this stuff. And after the week was over, he was like, man, I, I, you know, we became good friends and still are today. So it's, uh, it reminds me of going to the parking lot at Salt Creek to surf and I'll walk down and someone's like, Oh, this guy on your team, he's terrible. And then I take 10 more steps and they're like, you know what? That guy is my favorite. They're talking about the same person. And so sometimes I feel like it's like you have favorite surfers that you love to watch. And, and sometimes you connect with some people really quickly and sometimes you got to grow on someone, you know? So yeah, you're good, good, man. Yeah, no, you've, you've definitely grown on us over here. So uh, yeah. Consistent. So Joe, out of the, uh, the four events in Australia, which event are you most looking forward to? Wow. I'm stoked to be here, but yeah, I mean, Rottnest Island sounds so incredibly interesting. 
Can you guys tell me more about this place? I, I got no, a, can. Yeah, we, can. we can. We can tell you lots, mate. I do have a red hot tip for you, though. I know you asked Jack Robber, watch that little potty you did, because obviously he's our man. Um, yeah. And, you're asked, and you asked me, like, uh, you asked Jack, sorry, are, are we going to see a quacker? And I was like, shit, he's got no idea. Like, they are everywhere, man. Like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, well, Jack Robbo's like, mate, they'll steal your food. Like, they will steal your food. They will, you got to close your gate. You got to close your front door. They'll run straight into your house. They'll take your surfboard if you don't. They are everywhere. But I've got a bit of a tip for you, right? There's only one pub on the island, obviously. It's very small. When you get your food at the pub, as much as it's a really nice pub and it's right on the beach and you're in the open air under the trees, do not take your food outside of the building to eat as much as it looks good do it don't do it and and let your mates do it and sit back and laugh because mate you get absolutely bombarded by seagulls they're the most aggressive <laughs> seagulls i've ever seen like every single time without fail people lose their dinner they get swarmed and then that's from above and from below quokkas are usually really mellow but i found the quokkas at the pub i think they're full of piss basically because they're really <laughs> aggressive i'm not even joking the quokkas at the pub were like clawing at my kids legs to the point where they had to start kicking them to get them away and then the seagulls are bombing it from the top it's a full gnarly fight and every single person does it once and then you see them the next night they do not take their dinner outside so oh a my God. For you. you're just with <laughs> Right now, it's a beautiful island. Um, I guess if you do have any lay days, there's so many little bays and coves where you could possibly get a bike and just ride around the island, and hopefully you'll get some good weather. There's plenty of plenty of wave options as well, so I'm not. Sh I'm thinking that the you guys will just be focusing on Strickland. So um, whether you whether you roam around the island, probably not. I don't think, but um, but mate, magic little island. Um, you know, 30 minutes off the coast by ferry. Yeah, it's, uh, you'll have a good time and you really enjoy it. We'll tell you about the other um, stuff there too, Joe, so that uh, we don't give away too much. Yeah. Oh, one, right, right, of course, of course. <laughs> That's one awesome. spot that we were talking about on our last episode that we, we just wish you guys would go to because it's this really big, heavy bommy that breaks a long way out and it holds huge and it barrels and, yeah, it's really gnarly. It's a long way off the shore and it was just like, Oh, right man. time for it too. We, yeah, it's the right time. And we just, I, I, I told a story of basically how I got my ass handed to me out there not long ago. It's a pretty long-winded story, um, but it's an amazing wave. And I just thought, geez, I'd love to see the world's best out here. It'd be serious, serious waves, but uh, it'd be pretty hard to broadcast from. And um, and it's probably just not going to happen. But uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that one. Um, and mate, if you're into some good snorkeling, Salmon Bay is amazing snorkeling so and there's um not as many sharks in there as the rest of the island so uh yeah it's uh got some good coral reef and stuff like that it's a really nice spot it's unreal yep oh i can't wait i just you go I want to do it no all good um, and yeah mate obviously um we're just looking forward to having everyone back in margie's as well um you know it's seeing them all surfing and getting down here it's later in the season so that just means the swell is going to be bigger probably and uh, yeah, it's going to be sick. Uh, what's your What's your favorite rave around this area? Gosh, we've had a lot of fun sessions uh, around the corner from from Margaret. So oftentimes, when the contest is getting going, everyone's warming up on the main break. So I usually just try to find other places to surf that's kind of 
no matter where we are, I'm always trying to find somewhere else. So I'll end up at gas uh, quite a bit. Uh, Grunters and that whole zone is where we end up surfing quite a bit. Uh, a couple sessions down at lefties and cool. there's like honeycombs and stuff, man, there it's all coming back to me now, but yeah, it's been, been a lot of fun. Usually the beach breaks, just searching for a sandbar. We'll just walk down the sand at gas or something just as long as we can. And I think it, last time I was there, Ronnie, Rosie, and I had just this peak to ourselves for a few hours and like just a beautiful right and left. It was like those days are the ones you remember when you look back on the tour life. So I can't wait to get, get over there. Classic. Awesome. I think that gives uh, a bit of credibility to that uh, little dig I was having at you earlier, which I'm well and truly over, don't worry. But, uh, <laughs> mate, um, um, mate, I think... We can let this out again. Let's go. No. <laughs> Let's go. Let's bring it on round two. Now, mate, I think... Um, you know, somewhere along the lines uh, in, in the progression of you becoming a public figure, um, you know, we saw some footage or photos or someone is saying, mate, you know, Joey, he surfs, he surfs all right, you know, so a bit of street cred and I figure, well, you can't be on this world stage as a commentator unless you didn't know your way around a few pits. So, um, you know, uh, obviously you go all right in the water and, and that's a good thing because it gives you reference to, you know, make the calls that you do. So... Yeah, we look forward to seeing you down here, getting spat out of a few West Oz pits, mate. <laughs> yeah, classic. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Um, we'll probably wrap up in a little while, Joe, but just one of the, one of the segments we have on our podcast, listening to the Barrel Surf podcast, by the way, um, is do you, do you remember the crocodile hunter, Steve Irwin? I do, yes. Yeah, Big so we have, as he came up with a, a segment called the Steve Irwin Salute, where we oh, pay him up to someone who's done something pretty rad or some sort of good effort or whatever it might be, reference them in the Steve Irwin salute. Have you got somebody that's sort of come across your your path as someone that's done something pretty cool lately? Surfing or just... non-surfing? Pardon me? It can be surfing or non-surfing. Just uh, someone who's done something really meaningful lately? Sure. Yeah. Just right. some, some, someone that you would uh, give the double thumbs up to because that's what Steve Oh, Irwin right, yeah. yeah. Geez, there's so many to go to. Wow, there's been a lot. Um, lately, I've uh, Kona Johnson. He's here. He's uh, he's with Malia Manuel, and he's always raising awareness to, to really cool things. We were in Hawaii during the pandemic, and he ran a mile every day in June for the calendar. So June 1st, he's running one mile. June 20th, he was running 20 miles, 21 the next day. He did the entire month, marathon, beyond, and uh, he had a lot of support. Now he's doing it for uh, good causes, raising money for all sorts of organizations he cares about. And he's kind of one of those guys that I think he's always thinking outward. You know, it's sort of he, he'll do something to be like, how can I help? How can I make the world better? And so anytime I, I see Kona, I'm just going, wow, I could do a lot better. So I want to give him the salute. All right, so Steve cool. Irwin salute this this week goes to Kona Johnson. Congratulations, Kona. Thanks for that, Joe. Cheers. And then on the flip side, we've also got this thing called the Clive Palmer Cup. Now, you probably don't know who Clive Palmer is, but he's just this fat, incredibly rich, greedy motherfucker from Queensland who just is, I don't even know what he does, owns mining companies he's a or mining something. Magnet. Yeah, he's a mining boss and he's just a wanker. And I think he's maybe a politician, I don't know. But he's just a prick and he tried to fuck WA over and uh, 
So, yeah, in honour of him, if anyone, you know, this is a time to air your grievances, you know, if someone's been pissing you off, you can nominate it for the Five Palmer Cup. You can give it to Adam too. Yeah, you can give it to me if you, have to go if you need to. It's no problems. Yeah. Uh, no, we've come, we've come a long way in a short period of time. So, um, wow, who would that be right now? Um, gosh, I guess I have to go with politics, don't I? Even though I usually try not to, I'm going to give it to our, our former president of the United States, oh, uh, yeah. Mr. Donald Trump. Well, that's, that's, not, that's not the first nomination for him, actually. So, yeah. Oh, really? No, even, even over here, we've nominated him before. Yeah, we've had him. Oh, well done. Donald Trump, you have got this week's Clive Palmer Cup. Hey, yeah. mate, that just uh, sparked a little question in me. Um, mate, has anyone in the past been deserved of a Clive Palmer Cup for... I know the surfers and coaches have been known to storm the judges' tower. Has any surfer or coach ever stormed the commentator and just tower and just said, "What the fuck did you say about me, you prick?" Or, <laughs> or something like that. Like, does that ever? You happen? know what? At one time, years ago, at lowers for a qualifying series event, I was doing the beach announcing, and it, it typically in the mornings in the summer at lowers you can get fog rolling. It'll sit there and there'll be a fog delay. And then it will lift and they'll start the heat again. And I was, the heat was on hold. So I kept repeating it was on hold. And then as it started up again, I announced that it was on again. And uh, Tim Bowl, he was from France. He was on tour, great surfer. And, uh, you know, I forgive him for this. He just had a moment and he just ran up the tower and was like, you're not reading my scores. Like, and he lost his teeth and he was like, what's going on? And I was just like, I read them like in the, it was on hold. It was off. You know, it was just like this quick release of, of, of anger. And he just wanted to know who was upstairs doing this, this whole bit. And I think he just needed that, you know, five minutes to blow off some steam from, from a heat loss, but he, he definitely shared it with me that day. <laughs> what was his name? Tim Johnson. Uh, Tim Bowl. Tim Bowl. You got the, uh, Clive Palmer Cup, yeah, I mean, I think it, he just needed to throw his his anger somewhere, and they took him downstairs, and he cooled off, and he was fine. Historical <laughs> Clive Palmer Cup. Yeah. Hey, Joe, before we go, one thing we like because we love your voice, you know, the modern voice of surfing. Would you mind doing us a favor and introducing Barrel Surf Podcast? For us? <laughs> of course, yeah. Welcome Thanks, everyone. Bro. This is Barrel Surf Podcast. <laughs> you say, how about <laughs> hey it's joe turpel yeah, oh there we go Thanks, hey, everybody it's joe turpel and you're listening to barreled surf podcast we're gonna get we're gonna get another sponsor <laughs> out of that i reckon <laughs> we've only got one which is free beer at the moment so yeah. we're working on some food to go over the beer yeah <laughs> oh <laughs> great idea two of my favorite things Classic. Well, Joe, we're probably going to wrap it up, mate. So thanks so much for taking the time to join us during your quarantine. You, you've got three new mates from WA now. Um, we look forward to hopefully maybe see you even face to face when you come come down to yelling up Margaret River area. And maybe we could uh, even catch up for a surf or uh, a, a cheeky tin if you've got a little later. Yeah, we're we're going to take in the cheeky monkey. Yeah, we're going to either take you to the brewery or um, at least definitely come up and grab a carton, mate. We're just up in the aisle. So if you're come up this way yeah definitely come in and grab a carton of booze to take back down there for sure classic oh uh, yeah fellas you guys are too kind legends i enjoyed my time uh, really a lot of fun and pleasure to meet all of you and i definitely am gonna look you guys up when we when we head west 
Awesome, mate. Sick, mate. Never any last words, mate, for you? No, thanks very much for joining us, Joe. That's awesome. Um, we'll be down at the Margaret River Contest as well, hopefully. We're trying to uh, see if we can get some passes into the competition. So if you know any people that can <laughs> got any contacts, yeah. that, let us know. It's all right. We, we, know, the, we know the back way, and we'll be all right. <laughs> okay, good. Well, let me know if you have any trouble, for sure. Uh, it's all good. Hey, mate, just uh, last one. Can I get something controversial? Who's your favourite surfer on tour? Are you allowed to pick one? <laughs> so surely you can just say your favorite, can't you? Man and woman. Yeah, it's it's a funny one because yeah, it's like you're you obviously in my position, you're unbiased, and and uh but gosh, that's a tough one. I've had a lot of favorite surfers in my life, that's for sure. And I think on tour now it's I it's like hard to hard, honestly hard to mention one. So even though I do enjoy a lot of high intensity heats. I like the heats where people are trying and even if they fall a lot, they're going for broke. I, I don't like safety surfing at all. I want to see big stuff all the time. Uh, so that, that ticks a lot of boxes for like John, John. I like how dangerous Medina is, you know, competitively and how gnarly is Italo is a psycho with his energy too. I've got a good feeling about Jordy. So I could do this for a while, but it's always hard for me to like, just pick one. Um, I, for like the title and everything, I've got this weird feeling about Jordy that he's going to put everything into this, this year. He's, he's feeling like, um, I don't know, now's the time. So him, he's in my mind now as like a contender for, for a world title. And then, um, and on the women's side, I'm really enjoying Caroline. Caroline's standing out to me watching women's seats. She's new school. She's radical. She's, she's probably at the top of my list on, on the women's side right now classic mate hey what i've got one last question too while we're at it if you if you're going to quarantine with it with uh someone from the commentary team for 14 days who would it be <laughs> that's so good uh it'd probably Pops. be strider pots <laughs> would be great man he would, he has great stories loves a good wine great cook <laughs> great pots is perfect he will be eating well and uh, having a gorgeous wine at the end of the day, uh, watching sport, playing games. He, he's a great travel buddy, Pots, for sure. Classic, Joe. Well, mate, thanks again. Uh, I hope the quarantine goes fast. Um, keep pumping out those uh, court and side podcasts. And, um, yeah, stay safe and look forward to seeing you over in the West Coast. Unreal, you guys. Had a blast. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Joe. Cheers, Joe. Cheers, mate. You. Cheers, you. Mate.